an important food, a healthy food, and a basic food that can be served in more than a hundred different ways. Hello and welcome to the Fat for Weight Loss Show. My name is Aaron and I am your host for today's episode. If this is your first time listening to this podcast, let me introduce myself. Firstly, I am from Australia, if you hadn't already guessed from the accent, and I run a ketogenic food blog called Fat for Weight Loss, found at fatforweightloss.com.au. And the aim of this podcast is to dig into the world of nutrition, fitness, and everything in between. I'm a nutritional therapist and an advanced sports exercise nutritional advisor. However, I'm not a doctor, so I cannot give you any medical advice. This also applies to any guests involved in this show. Please make sure you consult your doctor before making any changes to your diet or medication. You can find me on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram at Fat for Weight Loss for delicious keto recipes, meal plan videos, and drool-worthy food photography. So let's get right into it. In this podcast, it is my pleasure to interview Danny Vega, a native to Miami, Florida. Danny received his bachelor's degree in political science from Columbia University in 2004, where he played football and was a three-time Dean's List recipient. Danny earned his Master's of Science in Human Performance from the University of Florida, where he worked with the National Championship men's basketball team along with the women's basketball, tennis, and golf programs. He then went to become a strength and conditioning coordinator for VCU Basketball, helping the Rams to their 2007 conference champions and making it to the second round of the NCAA tournament. As a raw powerlifter, he's met bests of 640 on the squat in wraps, 610 raw, 400 bench, and 700 in the deadlift. He now competes in indoor rowing, where his personal best is 1 minute and 19 seconds in the 500 meter, 14.5 in the 100 meter, and 389 meters in the minute for distance. In this interview, we talk about everything from family life and how Danny is teaching his kids about nutrition and how important it is to have family support when you're going through the ketogenic approach. Uh, And then we talk about uh, building muscle on the ketogenic diet and then how Danny is now um, moving over to competing in rowing competitions. Uh, it's a fantastic interview. Danny is such a humble, modest guy, and um, and it's really something that you want to listen to all the way through because he gives you some really great advice at the very end of this podcast about how to build muscle using the ketogenic diet and ultimately just live a better life. So welcome to the podcast. Danny Vega, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. No problems at all. Like I have been wanting to tee up this interview for so long because I've heard of you from so many different people. And for some reason, I, I just wasn't following you on Instagram. I'd like slipped off the, the face of the earth there for a little while. So I now am following you on Instagram. I'm following you on YouTube. I'm following you on everywhere. <laughs> and it's fantastic. It's so good. And, and, um, yeah, I just wanted to, to, to say welcome to the, Fat for Weight Loss Show. I know that um, you, you may not have heard of this show before, but we, we, we try and get a whole bunch of guests on here and talk about the ketogenic diet and talk about sort of everything in between. But um, I have a question for you. And, and, you know, when I start this podcast, I always try and figure out uh, if there's something, you know, a little bit funny or something that, you know, maybe people may not know about you. Um, but can you tell us about how you got into uh, well, not how you got into, but how you were involved in auto theft. 
That's good. Um, you know, I was originally thinking about, you know, something original about myself. And I was going to talk about maybe like the fact that I speak different languages, like a few different languages. And then I, I, you, you mentioned the word story. And then when I think of the word story, I think of one of the craziest stories is what happened to me when I was 15 years old. It was my junior year of high school. And, um, I might have been 16 already. And it was the first day of spring break. And we, we all had gone to Miami Beach. You know, I grew up in Miami and it was five of us. And two of us have, you know, been in fights our whole life. Like I, I had a very violent young, like the younger years, Danny was, was very violent, you know, and I, I went through anger management. It was crazy. Um, so I had, I had, you know, been in several fights and my best friend, um, out of those five people, he, he had also. And we were trying to get food while we were still on the beach because I was really hungry. And the guy who was driving was like, no, let's wait until we get closer to so-and-so's girlfriend's house because that's where we're going to drop him off. And there's a McDonald's there. I guess the moral of the story before we even begin is don't go to McDonald's because bad things happen. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my friend starts telling me this story about someone he had an altercation with there and but he's just telling me the story in passing. It's not like you. What are the odds that he's going to be there again? So we walk in, and sure enough, the guy was at the end of the counter. He had this big medallion on, and he, you know, this big chain with a medallion. He takes off the chain with the medallion, like like he's about to get serious. He walks up to my friend, and he basically says something to the effect of like, you know, you brought your friends to fight me. And right off the bat, like right when we walk in it's already popping off. Like it's, it's, he's like putting his finger in my friend's forehead and I'm like already alert. And not everyone in our party is even inside the McDonald's yet. You know, half of them are still trickling in. And so long story short, the, he gets into, into a fight with my friend who my friend was like, look, I'm, I came here to eat, but take your hand out of my face. And then he did not And then they started fighting. So I go to separate them and get punched in the back of the head by his friend who I hadn't seen. And so I basically took his friend. I was already a large person. I wasn't uh, as big as I am now, but I was, you know, a football player. I was going to play football in college, and I was already probably like 185 pounds, you know, 5'10", and now I'm like 5'11", 240. But, you know, when I played in college, I was like <laughs> 225 pounds. So um, so I, I took this guy, slammed him against the wall, started punching him in the stomach a bunch of times to the point where I'm like still punching him and he's running away. And so um, he ran away. So I went to look for my friend and my friend is under the tables with the other guy on top of him wrestling. This is all in a McDonald's. <laughs> oh, um, man. <laughs> and so they separate us and um, all of a sudden it's, you know, there's, it's calm. And right when they separate us, my friend decides to punch the guy he was just fighting with in the face. And he, he cut him or something because the guy starts bleeding down his face. Well, the guy who ran away from me, had gone to his car to get something called the club, which is an auto theft device that you put <laughs> on your steering wheel and you lock the steering wheel and it's got two pieces to it. One of the pieces, if you hold it, like it's like a, it's like a baton, you know, it's like, it's got a handle on it. And, you know, if you had that in your mind that you could hit someone with it, you, you would, you know, it's, 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 it's a weapon. And so he, he saw that he went after my friend. So my friend is running away towards, because there's always two exits in the McDonald's, running away towards the door. And as he gets towards the door, he sees this big, huge guy show up. And he's thinking that in that split second, well, this guy's going to help me. You know, this guy's going to stop the guy who's chasing me. No, that was their, their older cousin who was with them. And so he like tackles my friend 
and my friend, half of his body's outside the door, half of it's inside. The other guy catches up to him. The big guy kicks my friend in the head. The other guy hits him in the back with the, with the club. And then my friend, while this is happening, finds a way to kind of get out and hurdles over the shrubs outside and runs towards the bank. I walk around on the other exit to see what the heck is going on. And I walk by the, the guy my friend was just fighting. Um, and we kind of just walk by like each other, like, look, we're not going to do anything. Um, and so the rest of is kind of hazy because what's about to happen, but you, you, you'll get it. Um, so the guy sees that he can't catch my friend. So he turns the corner and comes after me. Now, if I would have known then what I know now, I would have, wouldn't have run away. I would have run at him and tried to like, maybe put my hand up and grab the stick from him and, and then beat him up, you know, for trying to even do that. But um, <laughs> I actually, what ended up happening was I was running away and talking smack to him at the same time, like, you know, oh, you had to bring a weapon and I'm like running. And then I think what happened was the guy that I had just walked by, I think he, he tripped me because I remember like my knees were like scraped up and basically the rest of what happened is kind of like, like snapshots. So I do remember being on the ground and trying to get up. And every time I tried to get up, the guy would hit me on the head. And so I got hit on the head with, you know, basically a steel object. And I remember hearing like the thing, you know, like the, the metal hitting my head. Mm-hmm. And I didn't, I didn't really feel any, any of it. I just was like, the adrenaline was, was pumping. And so the next thing I remember was, uh, being on the curb, you know, body, face, everything full of blood because the head bleeds so much. And they're, the paramedics are bandaging, putting the bandages around my head like the mummy. And, um, <laughs> and then, you know, there's, there's a whole other side to the story that, the, but, but that's basically the gist of it. The guy who hit me ended up going to prison. All this stuff happened. Um, it, it's the story that keeps giving because there were like stories after the story for years, but that, that's how I was involved with anything, had anything to do with auto theft. <laughs> wow, that's crazy. I, um, I remember those, you know, the, the, the the club i guess um we we used to have one in our car <laughs> a, a, a while ago but but you know you'd sort of extend it out and it would sit in between the steering wheel and and exactly. one had one end had like a u shape on it and then i think oh actually both ends had like a u shape on it yep. um but it was heavy like well, the, the one with the, the side with the lock is not the side they use it was just the other side the skinnier side oh, okay yeah. where they had that u and that u was like a perfect handle actually i had the um the spirals from like the uh the part that screws in i had that on my leg because he hit me on the leg too my leg was just huge with this huge bruise and the spirals there oh man this this sounds <laughs> this sounds brutal <laughs> yeah yeah well, that's a crazy story man this is why you know when i was in college um a lot of my friends, some of my friends who really didn't grow up fighting, they would get belligerent when they drank. And I, I punched several of my friends several times when they tried to start fights with other people. I had to because I am not going to get everything's like, oh, it's OK. We got Danny with us, you know, and people are going to start fights with people that I don't know. I don't know what they're capable of. And, you know, I know what could happen. So I've had to punch a few of my friends to, to calm them down to, you know just before it even started oh wow that's it's 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 crazy like i'm just really not a violent guy at all <laughs> and, and so you know like uh i was never involved in fights i was like but you know uh, i you don't seem like that kind of guy and i guess like you've oh i'm made not it. man I've, 
It's been a lot of work, a lot of <laughs> meditation, a lot of yoga, a lot of everything. I mean, the way I handle my my anger nowadays, I'm proud of the way I handle it. I still have the, the tempers. It never goes away. Oh, yeah. No, it doesn't. But you just handle it better. Yeah, and I think um, you know meditation and all that. Those types of things are, are very uh, you know effective in trying to I don't know um, be more mindful, I guess, with with everyday situations. But I wanted to ask you, um, what was your motivation for for starting the ketogenic diet? And I know this is a little bit of a uh, like a. <laughs> <laughs> a uh, fast forward into the future type thing. <laughs> but um is was did you have any particular reason as to why you first started keto and then and then maybe you know why why you're doing keto now yeah i think the original reason was just i wanted a better quality of life i wanted to try something new because i had just done like a four and a half month cut using like the typical bodybuilding style. I was very, very lean. I looked great. I felt terrible. Mm. Um, and my wife and I had, she, well, she was doing the cut with me. And towards the end, um, it was like two or three weekends in a row where we both binge ate for like, you know, two days straight. And it, we were both like, this is not good. You know, we we basically suffer all week. Um, we're like low carb, low fat. And then on the weekends, the week, the wheels fall off. And it's just like, then you feel so bad on Monday that it's just, you know, you, you don't even train on Monday. So you, your week is starting on Tuesday. And so I had a friend who for months and months was telling me all about keto. He was doing grad school work with, um, Dr. Wilson. Actually, you mentioned Dr. Wilson or, or was it someone else I just spoke to? No, it was a client that I spoke to on a consult. Um, he was doing um, work with Dr. Wilson and Ryan Lowry over at the um, the ASPI lab over there, or not ASPI. At, um, the, he was doing work with Dr. Wilson at University of Tampa. There you go. Mm, okay. And um, and so I eventually just kind of gave in and said, you know, I guess I'll do low carb. And since I'm insane and everything I do is extreme, I guess <laughs> I'll do keto because keto is just out of this world insane. Yeah. And so. I tried it and like two days in, I'm feeling like Superman. I didn't have the keto flu because I was low carb already. And then I just added a bunch of fat. And so I felt amazing within a few days. Oh, that's awesome. And, um, and so you said that you were going to the gym. You were currently already pretty low in body, body fat as well. Cause you were, you were prepping for a competition. Was that right? Or you were just, well, you just finished a cut. Yeah. So the reason why I, I did a cut in the first place, I had never, I've never done bodybuilding and I'm not sure I ever will unless Robert convinces me, which he's been trying to do that forever. <laughs> um, Robert Sykes. Um, and so I, I, I was a power lifter for like several years already. It, would, it had been like three years where I had been really competing and, and I had been in the top 25 in the country in the 220 weight class. I was doing great. Um, and, I had a meniscus tear that I that probably happened a, over a year before I actually got the MRI because I felt I was in pain that whole year and I finally was like you know what this this doesn't feel right and I was getting ready for a a, a meet in March and so February I got the MRI and sure enough torn meniscus and some other stuff so I pull out of the the meet and I reevaluate, what am I going to do with myself? And I said, well, you know, why don't I just get lean? Uh, that's always motivating, get lean, get healthy. Mm. And so at the time, I had a buddy who was a bodybuilder and a powerlifter who obviously 
knows what it's like to go through a, an actual cut for a, a for a, a show. And I thought this would be good for me because I've never done this type of thing. So I did it. And and those last couple of weekends where we were having those binges, that was right around Memorial Day, which is at the end of May. And June the 12th was when, uh, June the 12th, 2016, that's when I officially took the plunge and my wife followed me like four days later. We had like three or four days of of back and forth because she was like, what do you mean I can't cheat? What do you mean you can't, you know, she's like, I don't like to be told. This is why before she hated like whole 30 because she was like, I'm not going to do something where it tells me for 30 days, I can only eat this. I just, the fact mm -hmm. that I'm even being held back is what she, she doesn't like that. And, and mind you, she's much, has much better self-control than I do. She just doesn't like to be told what not to do. Mm. So, so, but she got over it. Cause I was like, look, this it's, I don't think it's going to be from what I've learned so far. And that's the thing too. Like everything that I start to learn about, I immerse myself in it in a very obsessive borderline unhealthy way because I'm a very just addictive personality. So I just luckily have used that for training and nutrition and and I was like, it just doesn't seem like a good idea to do the cheat. So let's let's at least do a few months without cheating. And it ended up being that we just we we've never cheated. You know, we've there's been a few times where maybe she can't at a movie theater. She it's really hard for her not to eat popcorn. Like she loves popcorn. Mm. That's her thing. So that she she can't even. I can't take my wife to the movies um, unless she's like ready and she does something because she. She doesn't even like the smell. She doesn't want to smell it and be tempted. But for, for the most part, we if I quote unquote cheat, what's going to happen is usually I'm just going to eat a bunch of keto food. That's I don't know how I do it because it's supposed to fill you so much. Yeah. The amount of fat that like I can yeah. eat 7000 calories in keto foods and eat like 500 grams of fat and just be like feel terrible after. Mm. But my body notices after it's too late, you know, cause I'm just like been eating, you know, when I was in high school trying to gain weight, you have to eat fast, you know? So I guess I've trained myself to eat past satiety. So I've had to actually reel that back and go the other way. Yeah. That it's interesting that you bring that up actually, because I was thinking this the other day and I don't know whether it's true or not. And I don't know, um, maybe you, you might have, uh, maybe an alternate perspective on this, but I find that uh, keto foods in particular, um, because, you know, it's high fat and it's, um, I guess, not not quite as, as fibrous as something that would be high carb, I guess. Um, it's quite easy to actually overeat ketogenic foods. Um, and, and yeah. all in one go, I, I, I guess like, so, so at the moment, I'm <clears throat> really trying to track everything that I'm doing. And I'm realizing that, um, you know, it is quite easy to actually overeat on keto foods. Is that something that you found as well? Absolutely. And I mean, I think that to be fair, it's easy to overeat high carb foods as well. Mm, if it's true. like the simple sugar type of stuff, but the fibrous stuff, like now the, the whole fiber thing in general is a different subject because I, you know, no matter what, I wouldn't ever do like a high fiber diet. Mm. I just don't think it's, Based on everything that I've learned, I don't think it's great for the gut and for a bunch of stuff. Some people are affected different than others. Um, but I will say that if you have a ketogenic diet that has a decent amount of fiber in it, 
Um, I think that as because the fiber that you're going to get, a lot of it is going to be soluble. And that's good because that slows things down. That's soluble fiber is what, you know, allows us to absorb more nutrients and, and soluble fiber. The thing that it does is that it absorbs lots of, well, it absorbs everything. It absorbs water. And so, you know, the fluids that you're consuming, everything, I feel like that can help contribute to your fullness versus, um, you know, if you're only eating fat. So there, there's these, I always talk about these three different ways that we sense satiety. Like one of them is, of course, hormonally, like leptin versus ghrelin. Ghrelin mm-hmm. makes us hungry. There are other hormones involved, but we always mention those two as the most important ones. Um, and then you have your body's way of sensing that you got enough nutrients. And so it's going to, when you eat something, um, you it could be, you know, if it's high in amino acids from the high protein, like a meat or, you know, it's nutrient dense, that can influence satiety. And then you also, of course, you have your mechanical stretch of your stomach, which is basically like your, once your stomach feels full, then you, you know, you, 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 you can sense that you're sated. But the whole problem is that I think different dietary approaches affect different mechanisms and all of us have an interplay within those things. And some of us are better suited to some than others. Um, I will say that like if a vegan, the vegan's going to be, you know, relying mostly on the mechanical stretch. That's why they eat like a cow. Like they eat, they graze all day. They got to give themselves all this volume because they're definitely not going to trigger that nutrient sensor because they're not getting <laughs> nearly enough nutrients <laughs> yeah. and their leptin and ghrelin is going to be their ghrelin is going to be through the roof. Mm. So, um, so I think that if you like the, the stretch of the stomach, that's where you start to include, you know, big salads. And I think that a lot of people do well with those. Like my wife, she has a, a, a sensitivity to lettuce, so she can't even, she can't do that. And this is why my wife is a carnivore because she has to be, and I am a carnivore because I want to be. I can handle that stuff, um, and I can do better. But you know, some people, some people can't even afford to do that. So I, I think it's totally possible, man. I mean, you think about it in just from a, a density standpoint. It's just it's so dense, mm. so much energy in such small packages with fat that you know you can easily run up the the energy way past your requirements. And like, if we look at calories as energy. Um, it helps us keep our like our senses where no, it's not calories in calories out don't completely matter the way they they're argued um, in a high carb diet. But yes, absolutely. From an energy balance standpoint, if you're taking in way more energy than you have time to, to expend, it, the calories are going to matter. Mm, I, I actually get this question a lot and um and it, be, it 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 tends to become like a a little bit of a dividing factor <laughs> with most people um is, oh yeah right is it uh is is it something that um you know when you okay so so uh you're a you're a big family guy like you you put a lot of um you know, emphasis on having your family involved in what you're doing and having, you know, those people around you really support what you're doing. Um, you know, that's, that's, uh, through everything that sort of surrounds what, what you are as a person, which is, which is so awesome. How do you, you, um, how do you like teach your kids, uh, about, 
about different types of foods, what those foods contain nutrient wise, and then, you know, what, what sort of those best switches are because, uh, you know, there's, there's calories and then there's nutrition and then there's, uh, I, like when I, when I was growing up, I was always taught about the, um, the micronutrient profile of food. So I always knew that. Oh, wow. That's really good. Yeah. Yes. So, so like, you know, magnesium is in spinach and, uh, potassium is in avocados and, and those types of things. And, and if you're feeling hungry, if you're feeling agitated or if you've, you've got like a twitching eye, it's generally, you know, (laughs) magnesium deficiency. And so you should need to eat some like spinach or something, you know, how do you teach your kids when it comes to, uh, foods and, and so they don't just go down the calorie realm. Oh man, I don't, I, I don't think we've addressed calories once. It's <laughs> mm, great. Yeah. I don't think we've ever addressed that. I think that the way we speak about it, a lot of the time it starts with overall health. Mm. So we talk about the stuff that off the bat is probably never going to be a good option. And, you know, like sugar and grains is never really going to be, uh, something that we consume in our house. Mm. Um, we do a lot of, uh, we have a lot of conversations around what our goals are and, you know, how our behaviors match our goals. So if I want to be a professional parkour runner, like free runner, which um, Desmond, it doesn't, he doesn't say that, but he loves parkour and he probably would love to do that. Um, I'm going to want to be able to perform and be light on my feet. And if I'm eating foods that make me feel bad, then I'll, I, I won't hit that goal. So, a lot of the time I use the Socratic method a lot. I mm-hmm. ask questions to arrive at the the solution that, that I want. And I have him arrive at that solution on his own. We, we, we do that a lot. But um, it's really just a lot of the time when my wife and I are having conversations, uh, if we know that, you know, that our kids are around, we'll, we'll make sure that we're speaking in a way that they can understand because they're always listening. And there's been so much that they picked up just from us talking to each other. And we're aware of that. You know, we know that, that they're listening. So they'll learn that way. Then of course I have conversations with him, you know, just me and him, you know, I'll say like, look, what I like to eat, what I feel best with is I eat a lot of protein. We start with protein and fat and, um, we earn our carbs, you know, my, my son Mm. who doesn't need to earn his carbs earns his carbs, which whatever, I'm not going to fight him on it because it's, it's a good habit. Like he was having sweet potatoes the other day and he was like, I'm going to go run around the block to earn this sweet potato. I'll be right back. So he goes and runs around the block (laughs) (laughs) and I was like, okay, you know, um, we, I was like, all right. I mean, and so we don't, um, you know, it's, it's funny. We don't ever mention the word like fat or cause they, they can, they can put that together. Cause they'll see that if someone's obese or overweight, they'll see that that's a, a symptom of their poor health from mm-hmm. poor food choices. And so, you know, with him, he, since we give them autonomy and when I say that we give them autonomy, it's, we do, but we don't, we don't autonomy doesn't mean it's kind of like the argument. Like if you think that um, I should do this, then, you know, you should pay for it. It's kind of like, mm. that's not autonomy. That's, that's not only autonomy, that's me supporting what you're doing. Mm. So I'm not going to support your decision. If you want to eat some crappy food, you're going to have to buy it with your own money. Um, so we don't buy them bad food with our money, but if they are, they have actual money and they're somewhere and they want something like a treat with their own money, it, it, it ends up not happening pretty much ever. Um, 
but we we do that we allow them and then when the other thing is when they're at birthday parties or special events you know they can do anything they want they can eat anything they want but lately they've actually um we always ask them before like would you like us to get some gluten-free pizza on the way because we know that there's going to be pizza there and would you like us to get some gluten-free dessert stuff Mm. so that you don't eat the stuff there. And the reason why that's happened and it's a beautiful thing is because when they have eaten the bad stuff, they have had terrible, terrible experiences. Like my, my older one is to the point like he, it was about six months, seven months ago and we were in, in a birthday party and he had the pizza and he had the cotton candy all within like a few minutes and literally 30, 40 minutes later, he was doubled over, you know, in a fetal position, crying, hoping, just wishing he n- never eaten it. And I was just like, remember this, I, you know, when you're presented with this decision next time with this option, just remember how you feel. It's not a bad thing. You know, it's not, he's like, I wish I never did. And, I, and, and we always were big on winners don't lose. They learn, you know, mm. we're always learning. Mm. This is a learning experience. So we, it's one of those things that is kind of built into everything that we do. We, we involve them in the buying process. We involve them a lot of the time in the cooking process. My oldest does cook eggs for himself. He cooks certain things for himself. Um, and then we have lots of conversations. And, um, so I guess it's the, the, the way you feel, the nutrients, all of the, the you know, the micronutrients that all those things are, are what we do so that's cool that you that you had that yeah it's uh, well i mean like um yeah and so my my mum grew up being a naturopath and then eventually went on and did uh science and worked for big Ah, supplements companies and stuff so so she was always very very health conscious and i think that you know as you were saying before that um you, you know you're not demonizing the 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 other side of the the spectrum i guess you're sort of just um, teaching what can actually be uh, part of food and, and you know the, the benefits of of certain different types of food right. um, and that intuitive approach is just <clears throat> is so much better to teach kids through that that pathway as opposed to you can't do this you can't do that and uh, oh, they're just gonna yeah. go and do that because you just told them they can't like <laughs> yeah that's 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 a fact like we talk about that all the time because we don't have bedtimes and we don't have we don't make them share certain things that that most parents do and it's funny like with the bedtimes for instance they all the all that we do relies on their we know that they everybody wants to be autonomous mm-hmm. that is everyone's number one thing to the point where especially if you're a child your need for autonomy will supersede even your your best interests mm-hmm. so you, you like for instance you look at a kid who's who's being um, told that he can only be on his iPad or video games like for this much a day. Um, when he goes to his friend's house, he stays up all night playing video games, you know, and then he comes back and he's a zombie, you know, <laughs> whereas my child, you know, he would, he would, when given this extra power that, that most kids don't have, he kind of already has it. And so he's kind of like, he, he knows how to self-regulate on so many things um, and then the sharing is the same, you know, like if you feel like something is not guaranteed, you're going to be more grabby. You're going to, you're going to want to hold on and not share versus when, if you know that your parents are not going to make you share with other people, you're going to, you're, you know, that your property's safe. So that's kind of how we view a lot of stuff. It's that through the, the lens of autonomy and the importance of autonomy. 
Yeah, that's that's so awesome. And I guess um, one thing that sort of comes to mind is that uh, I always remember this from a workplace. You know, you have you have a manager that's telling you what to do all the time. Uh, but it's but it's amazing how much intelligence employees can have when you actually give them the opportunity um, and <laughs> stop telling them what to do all the time. So, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. And 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 I guess this sort of uh, leads into the next question is that. Uh, you know, some people may not have this family support around them to be teaching them, you know, how to cook. And I, I, I always think that if you teach someone how to cook, they're going to automatically be healthy because they know what to do with base ingredients. Um, and, and so how, how can people who are trying to do either the ketogenic diet, uh, or, you know, just trying to get their health back in check in a solo type way, how do you think that they might be able to hack that family sort of community um, aspect of, you know, something that's very successful for what you've been doing recently? Oh my goodness, man. That I, I got to say, like we, we, we say this a lot, you know, it really is hard to do things without the support of your partner, for instance, mm -hmm. at the very least, because for instance, if it's with your kids, you know, you want your kids to eat healthy. And, um, if your partner is not eating the way you eat, then your partner will be the one to, to buy the crappy food or, or you buy the crappy food for your partner. But if, if you're both on the same wavelength, then you're the one who's buying the groceries. You, you now have all the power and what goes into their mouths is what you decide, you know? And so like, if it's with your children, um, I have no qualms with telling people like, look, if they protest and they're not going to eat, you know, they're not going to eat what you put on the table, then don't be afraid to let them actually experience hunger for once in their life. Because mm. most of our children in the Western world are never hungry. They're never, ever hungry mm. because it, the, the, a, a food alarm will go off before they, they go hungry. There's way before, like there's, there's a breakfast, there's a snack time, there's lunch, there's a snack time, there's dinner, there's a snack time. There, I think we eat an average of like 11 times a day. You know, if you include wow. all the, all the different, you know, you know, frappuccinos and the, the drinks and the snacks. And, and so it's really hard to do it on your own. But I will say that at the end of the day, if you only had to do it on your own, um, and you didn't have any support from anyone else, that's when you really start to realize you have to focus on, on a process that, is um, irrespective of what's happening outside of you, you are relying on this process. You you have the control, which is always good because if someone were to automatically start from a point of view that they do not have the control, then they automatically lose. But if you are an autonomous human being and you're an adult and you know everyone around you is not doing the right thing, but you still have the choice to control what's in your control, you cannot tell me that, you know, just because your spouse doesn't eat keto that you can't not eat the donut. Mm. Don't eat the donut. You know, I yeah. mean, <laughs> at, at the end of the day, there comes a point where I understand that some of us deal with, with more challenges than others. But then at the same time, some of us are born with, you know, like insulin resistance type stuff and, and all types of things that are doomed to begin with because of our parents as it is, you know, so we have, we are all dealing with something and, you know, a lot of what we talk about focuses on the individual, you know, like mm -hmm. you want to be a better parent, don't focus on your kid, focus on yourself. You want to eat better, focus on yourself. You know, you can't be using the fact that you travel 
or that your spouse eats a, a certain way. None of those things at the end of the day, if, if it's a black and white piece of paper, there's not going to be a, a clause that says, oh, you know what? He's excused. He's not going to get unhealthy because his wife, you know, eats this way. No, <laughs> yeah. you, you still are going to own those results. Mm. What happens? So, so, I mean, it's kind of one of those things where, I mean, I am not a therapist for that reason. I don't, I, I, I'm very empathetic. I try to be, even though my, my genetics say that, um, <laughs> that I have, I lack empathy. That's one of those things that my oh. wife, when we got our genetic testing back, like she cracked up because she always calls me a, a closet sociopath. And she's like, <laughs> we're all just lucky. Everyone here in the world is lucky that Danny's a really happy guy. Cause if not, he would be like a killer. Or <laughs> but I, I, I do care and I care about situations. I can't quite understand some of them because I'm not in those shoes. Like I'm not, I wasn't raised in a way or I, I was always playing sports. So that unfortunately is not something that I can say I understand. Mm -hmm. But then at the same time, I can, I can say to people, look at the, at some point you have to realize, and it's a very powerful thing that you have all the power in the world to change things within your control. And there's a lot more in our control than, than it's not. I think a lot of people focus too much on what's outside of their control when they can be changing things that are in their control. Yeah, that's, that's a really important one right there. And, and to sort of, to semi quote, uh, Will Smith, uh, don't, don't let your past influence your future. Uh, yeah. you know, it's, it's, it's so important to, to understand that you have that control and you are the one to, to do all of the things that you're doing. Um, and so I think from what you were saying just before about how, you know, you grew up playing sport, this is going to be a, a great transition into, uh, building muscle using the ketogenic diet. Oh, yeah. And, uh, and so I think, um, I think that a lot of people just are very adverse to, to, um, thinking that you can actually build muscle on keto or you can even be an endurance athlete using the ketogenic diet. Um, what would you say to those people who, who one don't believe that you can build muscle using the ketogenic diet and, and, uh, you know, you can't be an athlete with, with a low, a low carb approach. You know, I think that, well, obviously with, with our ketogenic athlete podcast, our, our main focus is looking at how ketogenic and low carb diets, um, can benefit every single type of activity. So we're, we're focused on the performance side. So we see all of these things. Um, of course the, the data as far as research goes is still coming in, but we, we have so many and I'm writing the book now. So like I'm here researching this stuff. There's, there's, as far as performance goes, there are a lot of sports that can do very well with periods of ketogenic, um, of a ketogenic diet, or even, you know, during competition time, ketogenic diet, like mm -hmm. one, one example that I, that I just love. And it's my friend, Paul Jordan, who's, um, he is a South African. He's been in the, uh, played for professional rugby in, in France here for like eight years now. Oh, wow. And, um, when he's at the top of his game, you know, professional athlete, and he's got all types of things that are being measured as far as his, his speed. He's got like, you know, things on his jersey that, that are like sensors and they're showing like how much land, how, how much ground he's covering, how fast he's going you know, all his uh, VO2 max, all these things, they're all the same or better, except with the benefit of having lower body fat because of the ketogenic diet, he's mm -hmm. about 2% leaner. Um, 
and this is like 2% leaner at someone at his level, he looks like a, a cover model at all times. You know? <laughs> it's like, so, so it's like, there's, there's, there's lots of stories about this. Now there are, there is science as well. And I love that because, you know, that's important. But even if there wasn't the science, if, if I were only to rely on these stories, in my opinion, that is still science because you cannot deny what people are saying. So, um, from a scientific standpoint, is it, can you build muscle on a ketogenic diet? Absolutely. It, it all depends on what you're looking at. So like if you're a person who is used to your, your, you know, a gym goer of several years, it's been decades and you know what, what happens when you eat more, you eat more carbs and you're used to putting on 15 pounds during a bulk. Mm. And you know, you, you, you remember that feeling of just how big you look. And when you try to bulk on keto, you're not gaining all that weight. Well, a lot of that time, there's two different things at play here. Like you have your glycogen, which is going to be much higher when you're filling it with, you know, because of the carbohydrate. And you're also working on a different type of hypertrophy. A lot of the time, you know, we have sarcoplasmic hypertrophy and then we have, um, gosh, I'm, oh, myofibrillar, myofibrillar uh, hypertrophy. And so I focus a lot more on myofibrillar hypertrophy, which just for the different sarcoplasmic hypertrophy is basically the one associated with bodybuilding. So it's like that, that high rep training, that just high volume stuff. It makes, it lends itself well to a high carb diet, because if you're constantly doing a pre-workout, intra-workout, post-workout of all these carbs, you're able to handle volume because that fuel source is coming in mm -hmm. with if you were to train that way with the ketogenic diet and you were to stay in that glycolytic pathway for too long, then of course you're not going to do well because you're, you're not, you're not made for that. You're, or you're not fueling that way. Mm -hmm. But that being said, you can still, uh, the faster studies, one I like to quote because the faster studies showed that the low carb ketogenic athletes were not only, um, using a higher percentage or, or reaching a higher percentage of their VO2 max much higher using fat as fuel versus a typical sugar burner, which is a typical sugar burner burners could be like anywhere from, you know, let's say 60 to 70% of their VO2 max. They start to go towards that glycolytic pathway. Whereas the, the ketogenic fat adapted athletes were, were closer to 80%. Mm. So you can, once you're fat adapted, you can use fat as energy at a higher intensity. So you can be this ketogenic bodybuilder who's eating a high fat diet and fueling fairly intense workouts using fat. Um, but again, you have to make sure that you're training the right way. Uh, make sure you're eating enough. You know, there's lots of people who've never gained muscle on any diet who have been going to the gym forever <laughs> and are saying that like, you know, I, I can't gain muscle on keto, but you didn't gain muscle on the other diet either. Did you? Mm -hmm. So it's like, okay, how, what is, what are we missing here? Are you eating enough? A lot of the time people don't understand the commitment it takes to eat enough. They just don't. I mean, just watch a strongman documentary so you can see that. And they will tell you that the hardest part of all of their training is their eating. Mm. The amount of calories that you have to take in to, to put that amount of size on there. Um, and then the other thing is the training stimulus. You know, everybody's focusing on Danny, what are the best macronutrient ratios to gain muscle on keto? And I'm just like, well, what's your training look like? Mm. You know, because the training has to be a stimulus that is strong enough to signal your muscles to say, holy crap, 
this injured us. We need to rebuild and start the inflammatory process and protect ourselves. So the next time this happens, we don't hurt as much. Mm. And um, I think that that doesn't happen a lot of the time. So, yeah, I mean, I can talk about building muscle on ketogenic diets all day. I think it's totally possible for me personally. I was, you know, already I had built most of my muscle in my whole life before keto. Um, and the last two years has been this crazy journey into running half marathons and doing obstacle course races and doing rowing and all these cardio intensive things and not trying to put on muscle yet and, and fasting and all that. And, and yet, how do I continue to add muscle? You know, mm-hmm. how is it that I was in a, a huge deficit at one point in one of my cuts that I, I decided that I was going to get down to 6% body fat just because I've never done it. And I'm in this huge deficit. And at the end of the whole thing, I had put on 6.5 pounds of lean mass. Wow. So I, I cut my body fat in half. I went from like 233 pounds or something down to 219. And I only lost 14 pounds cutting my body fat in half. So that means that I added. So I, it shows like my, my muscle was like 197 was my lean body mass before. And it was 206 uh, after. Wow. So, I mean, <laughs> these, these things are just, and, and this is me in a cut, you know, yeah. and, and ketogenic, the, the BHB, um, beta hydroxybutyrate is, it's protein sparing. Mm. And you, you won't argue that it's anabolic because I don't know if you've heard of the one study where they had these, these two groups of bodybuilders, they put them both in a deficit. And um, one group was doing a standard ketogenic diet. The other group was doing a cyclic ketogenic diet. And in the cyclic one, they would do a two-day carb up. So on the weekends, they'll eat the carbs. Mm. At the end of the study, both groups lost the same amount of weight. And um, except the the cyclic group lost all lean mass. It was mostly lean mass. Oh, really? So the ketogenic group, yeah. And the ketogenic group lost, you know, pretty much mostly fat. And then the other group complained about, you know, it took them several days to get back into ketosis mm. and they were battling, um, you know, um, cravings and things. And so to me, and that's what Dr. Wilson was talking to me about because he was part of that study. And he was like, you know, that tells me that the, what I infer from that is that, you know, keto is muscle protective. And, you know, if the ketones are not present, then it's possible that it's easier to lose lean mass in a in a deficit than it would be and this is why a lot of the time you know the the typical lower fat approach you will see a weight loss because your body will lose weight mm-hmm. very quickly on that approach but then you get a rebound and even if you don't get a rebound because you're you're suffering for longer your your um oh i lost my train of thought now I mean, there's a bunch of stuff that happens. Your hormones are, are, are in the tank. And, you know, regardless, it's just eventually it will stop. And that's why it's not a sustainable way to lose fat. So, you know, ketogenic diets are fantastic for, for losing fat. Oh, okay. All right. So I think I found my question for the very end of the podcast. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Through all of that. And, and uh, oh, uh, man, I could talk about that for, for so long. Um <laughs> so, so actually, I, I might just ask quickly. Okay, so, so um, I've been going to get uh, DEXA scans recently, and and I think if you, cool. if, if you're listening and you if you haven't 
had one done, then definitely go and do it. Um, but it was really interesting for me because I've had uh, what's called VLA scans before and they're, they're basically like impedance scans. So you send uh, electrical currents through particular parts of your body and it'll give you fat percentages, blah, 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 blah. But it's not extremely accurate, I don't think. Um, yeah, I, I agree 100%. And, uh, and so I went and got a DEXA scan uh, right after running a ketogenic marathon. So I was... Um, now I, I, I say I was, I was relatively fat adapted, but I got to about the 25, 30 kilometer mark and sort of bonked. <laughs> um, so maybe it oh, wasn't, no. wasn't too, uh, wasn't enough fat adapted. Um, but, but who knows? Anyway, I came back from that and I was 25% body fat, um, wow. totally within the, the normal BMI range. Um, but 25% body fat. And I thought, what am I doing wrong? Um, and so uh, I've, I've been doing a, a, few, a few different switches over the past, uh, I guess, uh, maybe, I don't know, six weeks, I guess. Um, and, and I've, you know, brought that down to 23%. But over the next nice. eight weeks, I'm doing like a, <laughs> a keto summer body challenge. Um, and uh, that's just going on Instagram. But but the idea is to get that down into a, uh, you know, below 15%, I guess. But it's really interesting because, um, you know, even in a ketogenic state for me, I was possibly still eating too much or the amount of, um, inflammation that you get, you, that you can get from training for a marathon could potentially have uh, oh, yeah. caused something. After my half marathon, it was, it was, uh, it was four or five days after and I still had a high, um, C-reactive protein because mm. I had blood work done. Right. Okay. So it, it can it can add up, especially with the training, the mileage that you got to do um, for it. And you know, one of the things that helps with that is building muscle. Yes. The more muscle you build, the the more you know, the higher ratio of muscle to versus fat that you have. Mm. And that's exactly right. And I think you know, for a lot of people, they may be in a, a healthy BMI range, and BMI is ridiculous, by the way. <laughs> um, Hell yeah. And yeah, uh, absolutely. And, and and so you know that that healthy BMI range may be indicating that you know you're just skinny fat, which is exactly what I am, yeah. which is crazy. Um, and uh, you know, so so that was a big wake up call for me. So yes, hitting the gym, going to go build some muscle, and and I guess that the ending question is going to be all about that. But but I I, I have a few things that um, I would I would love to touch on as well. You know, you um, have uh, been competing in indoor rowing now for some time. Um, what what made you get into rowing and uh, and and for me as a cyclist I came from a lot of people who were actually rowers who moved into cycling and they just were absolute beasts on the bike because they had such strong legs but you think about rowing it's sort of like it, it, it is almost like an arm movement so so is it more leg dominant and you know how did you sort of get into that oh man so if people don't know my my dimensions are very weird um they're not the typical. So I have, I'm 5'11", uh, almost six foot, just missed it by a quarter inch. Oh. <laughs> um, and I, and I, you know, but my, my arms, my wingspan is about six, three and a half. Right. And so I have extremely long arms. I have a very, very short torso. Like I always have people when they talk, you know, when I try to tell them like, this is how we are different. This is how you and I are different. I can take my thumb and touch it to my nipple and then my pinky and touch it to my to my belly button as I'm standing up and completely stretched out. You know, like 
my my torso is short, you know, and so my legs are very long and my arms are very long. And so what does that mean? Well, that means that I'm going to be able to deadlift 700 pounds because of the way that my just the mechanics of it. That's why I could deadlift a lot. And it's also going to mean that I'm going to be a fast rower because, you know, the the amount of drive that I get from my long legs mm. is is going to help me. So when I did CrossFit, like in the 2011 to like 2013 time frame, like I was always good on the rower. Even when I wasn't even in the best shape, I was like right off the bat a fast rower. And um, I never really, back then it was like, oh, you know, it's kind of cool to get on the board. You got the fastest 500 in the gym. You got, you know, even the 5K, I did well. And, but I never even knew about the competing. And, you know, last year in July, right before I started going carnivore, because I started carnivore like August of 2017, um, I, you know, I was looking into it already and someone's like, oh, this carnivore thing, you know, you should look at this guy, Sean Baker. Mm, and yep. so right, right off the bat, we were one of the first interviews that he did, you know, on the ketogenic athlete. And he's telling me about the rower and I'm just like, just he's telling me he's got world records and all this stuff. And I'm like, I can compete in that. Another thing. Well, I, I love to compete in new things. I mean, anything that I could do to compete, <laughs> I love competing. So uh, I was like, let me try this. And so um, I would do it. And then I would, I would text him or, or reach out to him and ask him for like tips. And he gave me some tips like, you know, where to set my feet on the, on the pads and everything, all these different things. And as I'm getting in better shape and my performance improves from the meat and stuff. I'm just like, holy crap, I'm, I'm doing well. I can get, I was like when I, back then I had like a, a, a minute 24 was my PR in the 500. And when I went carnivore, like after the first month, it was down to a minute 21. And then after several months of rowing really hard and competing in the rowing, I got down to 119. Mm -hmm. And um, then this last several months has been all focused on, you know, the muscle program that we're working on. And, and so I've been training that way. And so I haven't, now I'm trying to get my rowing back, but it's a full body movement. It's, I, I would say legs are definitely um, more important. Leg drive is huge. People, the other thing is people don't get the full stroke when, before they return. Like, so they're, they're not, you see people like spinning their wheels, basically like they're going, you know, all these all these RPMs, the way I, I think about it, like kind of like you would on a bike. Mm -hmm. Like if you're in a really, you know, high gear where you're just like getting all these RPMs, but you're not pushing. I, I set the resistance to the highest always. If I could set the resistance higher, I would <laughs> because that relies on my strength. Um, my strength is my strength. You know, like the fact that I can, I have a lot of power and strength that helps me. Um, so I can, I can get a lot more out of my stroke. Um, but I, you know, it's a full body movement and I love rowing because the thing with rowing is that you can do it every single day at any intensity and you will not, your body will not be beat up unless you, of course, unless you have poor form, mm -hmm. but it's different than running. You know, if you were to run every day and do sprints several times a week and even, even low, like slower running plus the sprint, you, you, your body would just break down oh yeah so <laughs> yeah. this is one of those things where it's a repetitive movement but i i think the the nature of it is such that you can you can do it so often and get really good adaptations plus you just feel so good and you know how cool is it that with concept two 
as long as you are on a Concept2 machine, you can connect it to the ERG data app or you can connect it uh, a thumb drive to the actual rower and that automatically becomes a verified score and now you are comp- competing on a you know on a um apples to apples with everyone around the world wow i really like the idea of that that's interesting yeah because uh um my my girlfriend's boyfriend he he walked into one of the the you know they're, they're living in an apartment now and he walked in and he saw the concept two rowers and he was like done <laughs> <I'm staying here. laughs> that's awesome uh, they they so they were they were actually uh they were there in the apartment uh, no, sorry. They're they're like part of the um, gym that the apartments oh, have. So it's like, yeah, yeah. It, that's it, a big selling point, man. Because I got my rower in my house. I mean, I can row in other places, but you know, I I think that you know it's it's nice to have one in your house. You could do you could do like three workouts in a day that take like twenty thirty minutes, and they'll all be awesome. And then you just go back, you know, go back to what you were doing. Yeah, that's. I did that on Sunday actually. I did like I did two thousand meters. Just a nice, easy workout. And then I, I went back to working on the website. And I did 3,000 meters. Then I went back to working on the website. Then I did 20 intervals at 250 meters each, which ended up being another 5,000. So I got 10,000 meters in like over a period of time. In One of them was eight minutes. The other one was 12 minutes. And the other one was like 35 minutes or something like that. Oh, you know? So awesome. it's like... <laughs> It's not that much time. It's no, great. yeah. It's like being really effective. I, I think as well, I want to correct myself. Uh, I think I may have said my girlfriend's boyfriend, but I, that meant to be my sister's boyfriend. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so if anyone is listening. Um, but, uh, but yeah, I, I think like effective training when it comes to doing, uh, you know, really getting a good workout in is, is really important because that, that was something I, I missed when I was doing the marathon training is that you just go out and you run 30Ks. And you come back and it's been at such a low intensity that you, you've spent like five hours on your feet and uh, you didn't really get that much in return. Whereas rowing, I think, would be, you know, it, 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 a very high output with um, a very low amount of time. So very, very effective. Um, and and yes. you, were, you were also talking before a little bit about the keto muscle program. And I know that you've got the fat field family program coming up very soon. Uh, and, and you've just recently gone full time on everything that you're doing. So you're no longer working for the man in quote right. and, and air quotes. <laughs> um, um, tell yeah. us a little bit about, you know, going full time and, and all of the projects that you've sort of got going at the moment. Man. Well, I think that, I think the one thing that people need to realize with me is that, um, I had a really good job, you know, like I had, I was a medical device rep making a lot of money. Um, I had a lot of autonomy. I, I, I only saw my, my boss like every five to six weeks. Um, won all types of awards. And so it's not like I'm this guy who, who saw keto and then for some reason saw like some dollar signs and, and wants to make a quick buck on mm. keto. This is like, for me, what I'm doing, I think is harder because I basically, I told people I was in golden handcuffs, you know, like these, these beautiful golden handcuffs <laughs> that, that were keeping me from, from pursuing what I really was, feel like I was put here to do, which is, you know, it's, it's, of course, it's to help people get healthier with their nutrition and the fitness. And, and I love that. You know, I, I get that all the time, all the stories from people that I've either directly helped or who've learned. I've been part of the process of them learning and, and getting healthy. But then there's, it becomes as you get older 
and, you know, being a father and I look at my, what my real priorities are, they're my family, you know, and my wife and I, we, we want to make the world a better place. And we've tried like different things to do that. Like we got involved in politics. We did like, you know, we volunteered for a political campaign, like in 2008 and 2012. And we, we, you know, we tried to help this guy and, and we were thinking if this, if we can do this and we can change this, this is how we're going to help the world, you know? And, and then you realize that all of those things are out of your control. Mm. And so many people are just getting so upset over things that are out of your control. Like at this point, I really don't care who the president is, who uh, is in charge, who's across the street, because none of them are going to pay my bills. None of them are going to make me, you know, do anything different than what I do. Sure, there's little things that change here and there, but it's it's never nearly as much as what the news says. And, you know, we don't even watch the news. We don't have cable. Mm. But like the whole thing is like, what do I do? What What can I do to really make the world a better place and teach my kids, you know, like a good lesson. And, and for me, it's like, to, if, if I'm pursuing my purpose, there's nothing more that, that I would like than for my two boys to, we always say two things. We want them to know who they are and know what they love. And if you are pursuing your purpose, if it happens to be that a violin player is what you cannot live without doing, and maybe you're not going to make that much money, you, you're going to know for a fact that, and uh, unless I, I don't know that, unless you're like a real famous one, but you know, <laughs> there's certain occupations and things that people can spend the rest of their lives doing that they love, that they're going to have to make an active decision to change their lifestyle and make sure that their lifestyle is in accordance with, with that. And so like, you know, some of these things end up being things that can make you a lot of money. Some of them end up not being that, you know? And so I want to teach my kids that. And that's why that was what really helped me because it's like you get stuck at this point where you're about to make the decision, but you never do. And that happens probably longer than what most people want it to be. Mm -hmm. You know, it ends up being who knows, six months, a year, two years. But then when you have something like, yeah, but also I could teach my kids that look at what I did at 37 years old. I left a, a job that, that, you know, helped me, you know, get to a whole different level of, you know, a, a higher level on the, on the strata of, of, you know, where we are. And I'm leaving that because it's that much more important for me to do what I feel like it, it's a combination of my gifts because we all have gifts and my passions. Those two are meeting together for me to do what I'm doing. And, and, you know, people say, well, you know, it's really nice that you are at the point where you can leave your job. And I'm like, I'm not. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh, that hasn't like, happened yet. <laughs> yeah, not even. Kudos, my goodness. Like, I'm not even. And so it's like, I'm like, I'm not, man. You, you just like, at the end of the day, like, what's going to happen, man? Are you going to die? Are you like, are you going to, are you going to be on the street? It's not going to happen. Yeah. Like, there are so many things like our fear. If we just were to just spend one minute taking these weird anxiety things that get that show up in our head and just taking that okay let's let's see where that goes what happens mm -hmm. uh you lose your job what happens well uh, you know there's there's a million things that can happen you know you're not going to go hungry you're not going to die and you know at the end of the day like y y the more power you have yeah it's on you of course but then the payoff is bigger mm -hmm. so i went on this whole rant uh, but I, I i think i answered your question like the <laughs> like 
<laughs> the importance for me, it's just so important, man. I, I can't think of it any other way. It's only been a week and I'm already like, oh, I can never go back. Oh man, I, I, I totally feel you because I was there like four months ago. But I always have this um, this thing that I try and envision. And uh, I was never really a video game player, so I was always stuck in like the Super Mario stage, <laughs> where you know, <laughs> like you're a two D person running along. And and but that's a great metaphor for exactly what we're doing here. Is that if you're going up against hard things, if you're going against those bosses, or you know, if you're moving. Uh, I guess, right on the screen and you're going towards those really hard things, it means you're moving in the right direction. And if you were going yeah. backwards, like it would be easy going backwards, right? You're not coming up against any of those bosses or those those things that sort of make the game hard, but um, you, you, you're going in the, the wrong direction. So so all of those things that you come up against, as, as you said, you know, um, you, you're not going to go hungry because you're going to know how to make it happen. And uh, all of those, and I, I was listening to the podcast that you did with, uh, with Robert Keto Savage. And uh, you guys were talking about, you know, going full time and, and knowing those, those hard things and sort of doing it anyway. And, uh, and I think that's just like so liberating to, to really understand that it's all going to be okay. Like, don't worry about the things, as you were saying before, that are out of your control focus on the things that are and just be and and do important work you know yeah man and you know like i realized the more it's it's this really amazing thing that i realized that more and more and it's this theme that runs through everything that i do like everything in my life is preparing me to die i know it sounds crazy but like at the end of the day like we we have to be comfort with dying and we have to be and that's why when we say we we, ha, we say things like um you know you have to you have to suffer a little bit and to to get to that point where you get that the other side of it i think it's just training us you know like everything that in my life i, I look at it now as is just a preparation you know i'm what can life throw at me that i cannot handle you know i look at it from my son that happened that he, you know, he got hit by a truck, you know, at this point, he's happier. I'm telling you, my four-year-old is happier. He, he's, he's, and he may not know what's going on, but he went through hell, mm. you know, in the hospital and everything. And, and he's, he's, thank God he's perfect. You know, we just took his, his neck brace off today. Mm. And so like all these things, do you want to be comfortable or do you want to be alive? You know, like you, you can be comfortable and, and we can live a totally normal, vanilla, comfortable life. That's like one of those like nice sitcoms that you put on, like on a Saturday afternoon at four 30 that you could watch it, but then you can go to sleep too. <laughs> <laughs> or you can be like straight up, like, like Braveheart where he's like, yeah, they could take our freedom, but the, you know, they could take our lives, but they can never take our freedom. Like I, if you're asking me, I'm going to be that guy with the arrow in his chest, like still fighting. You know, I'd rather do that. I think that's a, a life well lived. And it, it's where you, you get to the, go to those places that are more uncomfortable and that maybe not that many people have gone, but you discover things that so many people don't know. You know, you discover things about yourself, about your capabilities. I mean, it's just to me, it's just like, I want that. Mm. And I'm glad to hear that your son's doing okay. That's, that's, that's super important. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, like we could talk about this for, for, for so long, but, um, I, I think that I would love to get into some quick rapid fire questions. I don't know if you're keen for that, but I, uh, Oh I'm, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Cool. All right. Okay. So, so, uh, what is your favorite keto food? What is something that you can't live without? 
Man, you know, someone asked me that the other day. Um, and like, I love, I would say my favorite keto food, I'm going to have to say ribeye. Um, like if you were asking me earlier, I, when, when I first started, I would have thought of like in this, in the, I would have thought about recipes. Like what's my favorite recipe? But I find now like that I love, like I, I do, I do love fathead pizza and I've, and I've created my own version. That's pretty darn awesome. But I, I guess you know, ribeye is, is one of those things that if I if I was told you can only have ribeye the, the rest of your life, I'd be thrilled. I'd be totally okay with that. <laughs> that sounds awesome. Do you have a particular way that you love to cook it or is it just straight up ribeye? It doesn't really matter. Well, you know, I, I love my trigger and, and it's awesome because it's a fantastic smoker. Um, but the one thing is that the surface temperature doesn't get to the, the temperature that a, a really good steakhouse would get mm-hmm. so like a steakhouse would probably be six seven hundred degrees and mine with all the little tricks that i do is probably up at like 550 mm-hmm. but what i'll do is um i can just on my traeger you know put it at the highest temperature and it probably is going to take about 12 minutes on one side and then like a, another minute or two on the other side um but you can you can actually make a really delicious ribeye if you just put it in the oven at like 250 degrees for like 20 to 25 minutes, take it out and then sear it on extremely high heat on a cast iron skillet with like lard or tallow. Wait for that stuff to get to the smoking point where it's smoking, then throw that thing on there and, you know, sear it for like a minute and a half, two minutes per side. You get a nice crust and you get a nice medium rare uh, inside. But as long as there's like a nice crust and a nice medium rare inside, closer to rare if possible, I mean, that to me is the best. Sounds awesome. I've I've done it uh, in in Australia. We use we use uh, Celsius. So converting Celsius to Fahrenheit is is <laughs> breaking my brain at the moment. But um, but I, I would do it uh, on ninety degrees Celsius. So it's it's pretty low. Uh, like you usually cook it at one eighty. So it's like half that. Um, and and you do it for forty five minutes. And and I've found that one has been really really good too. So like the longy and oh. and and like less temperature you do it. Uh, yeah. Oh yeah yeah yeah. If you yeah. got the time to do that. I totally, yeah. I totally agree. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so so uh, what's your favorite exercise? Or uh, I know we were talking about rowing and, and stuff before, but what do you think is maybe your most favorite and most effective exercise? If I had to pick one, I would I would pick deadlift. Mm-hmm. Um, just because you can deadlift anywhere, you don't need a spot. Someone will tell you squat, it's not gonna be me. Because I have really long femurs and, um, and squatting, I, I did squat a lot of weight, but it was painful for me. Mm-hmm. And, and plus, you know, you need a spot a lot of the time if you're going to go heavy. A deadlift is literally taking a, a, a weight on the ground and picking it up and standing up with it. Um, it, you know, it gives you so much of what you want from like a compound lift. It gives you that hormonal response, the testosterone. Um, it builds your back. It builds your legs. Um, you know, so deadlift, I would say is my, my favorite movement for sure. If I had to pick three, I would say, you know, deadlift, overhead press and pull-ups mm. would be like, would make for a pretty darn, um, very well, uh, rounded athlete. Yep. Um, because you know, you could say bench, but it's not as functional, you know, uh, overhead pressing in a real world situation is going to be much stronger. Plus, I'm sorry. This is why the, the, the world's strongest men are doing men. They're not doing bench competitions. They're overhead pressing. Cause it's just like, it's so much harder to get a five pound PR on a, on a, 
on an overhead press is like a big deal. Yeah, totally. Overhead press is so much harder than anything else. Like I, I uh, just started at the gym, you know, a, a few weeks ago and I'm just, you know, starting with the bar, you know, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> yeah, man. and uh, you, you know, it's, it's, it's hard to, to add weight to that because, you know, if you're starting with 20 kilos or, or uh, 40 pounds, whatever it is, um, you know, you, to add weight to that is the percentage of, and the ratio of that is so much higher and getting, yeah, like, like the five pound PR on an overhead press is, is, uh, phenomenal because you, you're not always lifting as much weight as you would be with maybe say a deadlift or a squat or yes, that's crazy. Um, yeah. What is your least favorite keto food? Is there something that, you know, a lot of people might answer avocados or, um, no way. I could never say that about avocados. <laughs> <laughs> do you, do you have one that you, you're not a big fan of? Uh, well, let me ask you this first before that. Uh, avocados for you, I, I would say it's probably your least favorite, right? Because it's super expensive over there. I heard. Oh, no, I love them. They're, they're so good at, but, well, but they're, they're currently. They're, they're like $2 each here at the moment, but they can oh, get up goodness. to like, they can get pretty expensive. <laughs> $2 to me is, is very expensive. Oh, really? Oh man, that's cheap. <laughs> wow. They can get, they can get down to 48 cents here in the summer. Oh, I'm, that's it. I'm yeah. moving to America. That's it. <laughs> but at the same time, then you also have the most amazing lamb and I can eat lamb all day. That's another one that I could just, Ooh, yeah. oh, I never get sick of it. Yep. Tasmanian um, lamb. I guess, I, I guess. Okay, you know what? A lot of these keto um, baked stuff that is like using like the the nut flours. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to say that I hate it because a lot of the time it's delicious, but I don't feel as good. So I'll say that because it doesn't like me as much as I like it. Mm, yeah. So if it doesn't like me, it, if my body doesn't like it, then I'm going to have to say you know, then I I, I don't like it. But I, it's delicious. You know, a lot of these things are delicious. I just I feel bloated the next day. Sometimes I even have like you know, higher blood sugar, certain things. So yeah, yeah, that's, that's what I'll go with. Cause I, it's hard for me to say something that I don't like. Cause I pretty much like everything that I eat. Everything <laughs> is delicious. <laughs> I totally agree. And, and, you know, for me as a food blogger, I, I have to make those, those like keto cookies and, and bread and all that sort of stuff. And I, and I would totally agree, you know, I don't feel like great after eating that stuff, but, but for some people, you know, they, they make it once and then they probably never make it again. Um, and, uh, and they just want to experience what it's like to, to have, that thing that they've been craving for so long, you know, while they've been on the ketogenic diet. So yeah, I would, I would totally agree with that one. And in contrast to your favorite exercise, what is your least favorite exercise? Oh, that's a good one. Um, I guess I would say nowadays my least favorite, um, exercise would be any type of like quad exercises because now that I train with actual bodybuilders, um, they, put their knees at these ridiculous angles to get the best quad um, extension. And, and don't get me wrong, it's, it's, it's done wonders. But, but when it's leg day and it's a quad focus nowadays, I, I hate it because it's just so not only am I weaker. And so it's like, it exposes me there because I've always been as a, a power lifter, I was very much a hip dominant squatter and deadlifter. So my, I relied more on my glutes and my hamstrings versus my quads. So I guess, and it's also, it just, if you have long legs, you're not going to like squatting as much. So I guess, I guess it would be that. And if you, if, if you would have showed this 
podcast to me a few years ago, I'd be like, what's wrong with you? Isn't like squatting? I used to always squat. Now I'm like, now, but now I'm like, man, I got my heels elevated and my knees are at these angles that I just didn't hit before. He's like, you have long legs, so we have to make it harder for you. I'm like, oh, great. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I totally agree with you. I'm six foot five and, um, oh man. Yeah, so forget yeah, it. It's my, brutal. my legs are way longer than my torso as well. So I'm, I'm totally in the same boat. <laughs> <laughs> um, are you currently taking any supplements uh, outside of prescription medication? Yeah, let's see. I just I just did this recently um, because there, I've been really into glycine. Oh yeah. Um, have you looked into glycine at all? Um, I, I was listening to the podcast where you're talking about glycine and Chris Master John, and I was like, "What, Chris Master? I've been listening to him for years." And I was like, "Ah, oh, someone someone's listening to him as well." <laughs> oh man, yeah, I love him. I, I've I've followed him, man, probably for over a decade. Um, you know, he's, he's awesome yeah. man. he's very, very smart and, um, he goes deep. And so I think that people are way not eating nearly enough, uh, getting nearly enough collagen and gelatin and glycine mm-hmm. because from a survival standpoint, we don't need those things to procreate. And so we have kind of lived as humans with a deficit in those things and so it helps a lot. So I, glycine is helps with blood sugar control, anti-inflammatory. I mean, it's got all these things. A lot of them are in animal studies. Some of them are in human studies. So I love glycine. I take L-citrulline. Um, I take um, berberine, um, B vitamins. A lot of it has to do with my, my genetics. Um, so I have uh, MTHFR, heterozygous, so it's not too, too bad. But I do a lot of my supplementation is all... Some of it theoretical, like, okay, if I'm eating this way, what are the potential complications? Like homocysteine, mm. high homocysteine, possibly high uric acid because of all the meat. So let me mm. make sure that my everything that clears those things out is in um, is high enough so that I don't, those things never get too high. Um, and then other than that, I mean, you know, I have played with the exogenous ketones and, um, you know, the only time that they really worked well for me was as a pre-workout with caffeine um, when I was in a really big deficit. Um, and, and then other than that, um, that's about it. That's about um, it. Yeah. But I have, I have a whole list. I have it like I have on my, in the bathroom, part of my morning routine is to take all of the vi- the vitamins that I have, and it's probably like eleven bottles. Uh, <laughs> yeah, oh, I feel nootropics! It. Huge, huge nootropics fan. So adaptogens and nootropics are the are my jam. Like, if I had to pick my favorites, it would have to be alpha GPC, um, lion's mane, and L theanine. Those three are just like if you are if you want maximum brain performance, and if you are trying to, you know, reach a different level of consciousness as far as like your mind opening up and you're doing, you want something to help you do the reading and work that you have to do to get that higher consciousness or whatever. Um, those, those products are fantastic. And so like, I'll have like a mushroom coffee. Um, and then I have, you know, the, the, I take the, uh, Qualia mind, which is, it's their their newer version of qualia and then i i i just got some stuff from kiss my keto 
that has L-theanine. And so I'm like, oh, more L-theanine? I'll take it. Let's go. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, for sure. (laughs) More Uh, is more. Those those nootropics are are, are really awesome. But what what I was finding as well is that um, a lot of nootropics also contain L-tyrosine. And L-tyrosine is is really important for thyroid function. (laughs) And and, and so I was, uh, many years ago, I was was diagnosed with pre-thyroid antibodies and um and so i started taking l tyrosine to sort of you know help that because i think it i can't remember which way it goes it helps convert to you have any autoimmune issues that were coming out of it um coming out of the the antibodies or the taking l tyrosine yeah the anti no not the not the l tyrosine yeah the antibodies and the and the the problems with your thyroid yeah i i was experiencing uh like okay so i was a musician at the time so i was i was pretty lacking in food and um you know (laughs) just drinking a lot because that's what they give you at the bars but yeah the the nutrition was the biggest point in in turning that around um but in terms of actual uh symptoms i i think maybe uh the 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 typical the the typical anti you know, autoimmune issues were, were definitely present, but not nowhere near as uh, exacerbated as, as someone who may have Hashimoto's. Um, yeah, okay. so, so yeah, it was, it, it was, it was an interesting thing to, to look at and see, okay, I do not want to be there. Uh, and, and so making sure that your nutrition is, is, you know, keeping me away from that, I think was the most important thing for me. Um, but yeah, I mean uh, that I was just going in to get my blood glucose tested and they were like, Oh, you've got antibodies in the thyroid. You should probably have a look at, uh, you know, trying to sort that out. And I was like, what is a thyroid? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, yeah, so, so I been able to rectify that now and, and getting tests done regularly on that is, is great. But yeah, those, those nootropics are, are awesome. Um, I've, I've, uh, I've never experienced, I've never tried L-theanine, so I'll have to I'll have to give that one a go. Um, but yeah, the, the, the supplements, man, we can geek out on that for ages as well. Um, oh yeah, man. <laughs> especially when it comes to the brain stuff. Like it's it's never going to be for me. Focused more on like building muscle or anything to give me a bigger pump. I want something to give me more bandwidth. I want something that you know expand me. Mm, yeah, I I feel you. I feel you on that one. And and I guess a ketogenic diet is one aspect of that. That is already uh, an advantage yeah. to many other people as well, which is great. Um, do you have any books or videos that you have, uh, recently or that have recently inspired you? Oh man. How much time do you have? No, <laughs> <I'm just saying. laughs> um, okay. I'll tell you the, the ones that I've recently read that have really blown my mind. Um, Buddha's brain by Dr. Uh, by Rick Hansen yeah. and Richard Mendias. So Buddha's brain, that's a beautiful book. It's, it's looking at the quality quantifying, um, why things like Buddhism and why Buddhism and, and neuroscience are so linked because neuroscience, um, is, it looks at quantifying, you know, what these people are seeing or, or the benefits that these people are getting from practicing this way. It's actually, there's science behind it. Mm. That was a really good one. Um, the power of myth is uh, an audio book, but it's really an, um, a set of interviews with Joseph Campbell beautiful i mean if you look at it on netflix i highly recommend it it's also on audible um i'm currently reading right now uh what's her name dr shafali's book the awakened family that is a an unbelievably just beautiful book about being a better parent and and having looking at your kids a different way realizing that your child is your awakener like your child is the mirror 
showing you all of your things that you've built because of your childhood, your child shows them to you because when you act a certain way towards them and they respond in a different way, they're basically reflecting back at you what you what you've taught them. And we don't we don't know that. We don't notice that. And it's about connecting with your child and just it's a beautiful book. It's it's one of many parenting books that I've read, but this one is just she's we're gonna have her on the podcast for sure because Dr. Shafali, she's she's amazing. Oh, those are just a few. Like I got a bunch here that I'm just like scrolling through, but those <laughs> uh those are, are, are a few. I'm always trying to read or listen to something at all times. Are you are you someone who likes to read a physical book or are you someone who loves to listen to an audio book? Um, I, I love to read, especially like at night. Um, but I don't do it as much as I can, as I can, because at nighttime we're with the kids. And like, if my wife is with them all day, I'm playing with them at night mm-hmm. a lot. So I end up, um, doing a lot of audiobooks because I could listen to them while I'm training, while I'm driving. And so it's just a better way for me to consume information. I like the book though, because I can highlight things and write them down and write notes. And I lose that with the audio. So I'm having to, sometimes I'll take a screenshot of where my audio is. So I know to go back there. And so I have all these screenshots of the same book, but they're in different points with the audio. And I'm like, okay, I got to go to three hours and 47 minutes that something was there. <laughs> That's awesome. I, uh, I, I'm a big audiobook guy and, um, yeah, I, I never really got into highlighting books because I always thought that, you know, the book was this physical thing that you, you couldn't damage or like, but you know, you're not damaging it. You're just marking it for yourself. And if you don't have those marks, like, you know, like if the book isn't destroyed by the time you've read it, you haven't read it (laughs) enough, you know? (laughs) Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so, uh, so, uh, I was a musician for, for a long time. Um, and, uh, so it was sort of really touching home with what you were saying about, uh, your son before, or, you know, just a career in general. Um, what, what music do you always go back to the, your classic favorites? And then do you have any music that you're listening to currently that's really, you know, sparking your interest? Well, I love hip hop is my favorite. So, um, I don't really listen to much that's out nowadays. Um, because it's just most of it is garbage. Um, <laughs> yep. I, I, I will say that like in the last year, the last two years, the albums that have really made a big impression on me, the, the latest Royce to five, nine album this year continues to be my favorite because he's so real on it. He's recovered, uh, addict and alcoholic and his father was a cocaine addict and my dad is a recovering cocaine addict. There were songs on that song on that album that I cried when I heard him. Mm. So that's a, that's an amazing, um, album i love a lot of um weird music i I don't even know what to call it some of it is down tempo i love thievery corp yes uh thievery corporation (laughs) we're gonna watch them in december in orlando um zoo's album just came out his new album and i my wife and i love zoo we love tame impala they're australian do you you like tame impala perth guys they are awesome they're They're just they're just they're on a different level they're aliens i think you know because they're the the main guy i forget his name he he creates all this different stuff and then he sings on it like it's just like the talent is so stacked uh, with him the creativity it's it's like not fair you know yeah um, he is a phenomenal. so there's a lot of that stuff i love bonobo we've seen him live i love Catronata. um that's someone that i could listen to at all times so if you want to like listen to stuff that's got he's from like i think toronto 
He's from Canada. I, I think he's from Toronto. And he's got this like funkiness to him, but he's got, he uses electronics and he's, he's got this hip hop kind of vibe as well. So it's, we love music. My wife and I, we always joke because we, we married each other for a reason. And there's so many things that we're alike, but we can't understand people who don't feel like their soul is being ripped apart when they're listening to music. Like if I tell you, did you hear this song? And it's something that ripped my soul apart. And you tell me you like the beat. Yeah, I'm just going to be like, what? Yeah. You know, I'm just like, are you awake? Are you asleep? Yeah. I, I just, it's just one of those things, you know, like, I feel like you're either awake to that or you're asleep to it, you know, like, and for, for us, music is a beautiful thing. You know, we, all types of stuff, you know, it, it all depends, indie stuff, but hip hop is kind of my, has been my favorite always. Oh man, we could talk for so long about music uh, in, in particular, <laughs> like uh, all of the bands that you mentioned just then, so, so good. I don't know if you're into like, because you were mentioning Bonobo and Caetronado and that sort of stuff. I don't, I don't know whether you're into like um, the, the reggae side. There's a band from New Zealand called Fat Freddy Shrop. You might like them. No. Okay. I love reggae. I love culture. Reggae is my favorite, you know, like the, like the, the roots reggae, like the slower stuff. Like I love Sizzler. I don't know if you ever heard oh, of Sizzler. Oh, no, I haven't heard of Sizzler. Um, but these guys are sort of, uh, I guess they're sort of like electronic influenced reggae. Um, but the, it's that Freddy's drop. That Freddy's okay. drop. Yeah. That's, that's them. Um, man, uh, I, I don't know whether you used to listen to Jurassic five a lot as well. Oh my gosh, of course, yes. yes. Yeah. <laughs> Tuna and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I love Jurassic Five. Yeah, that's, that's, see, that's hip hop. Yeah, exactly. I, 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 um, <laughs> you know, I was listening to Keto Connects podcast where you were talking to Matt and, and I think Matt and Mega are more on the like <laughs> modern hip hop. Yeah, Matt's like, Matt loves the new yeah, stuff yeah, and yeah. he's like, and he throws it in my face. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he's like, no, you got to listen to it for the sound. You got to understand what the, and I'm, and I'm like, no, 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 no. I think Danny's right here. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. And Maura, well, Maura too, she'll, she'll say like, she's like, I could listen to that stuff if I'm working out and all this stuff. And I'm just like, yeah, but you could also listen to good stuff yeah. too while you're working yeah. out. Yeah, I totally agree. There's going to be, there's, a, there's going to be contention about this, but I'm on your side. <laughs> I totally agree. <laughs> For sure. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, and, uh, okay. All right. So, so music aside and, and we got to catch up about music, by the way. Um, but, the, oh, yeah. The, the big question. Uh, for all of this this whole um, podcast episode, uh, is that I would really love to uh, get your your expertise on um, bodybuilding and you know exercise in the ketogenic space. And you were talking about the 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 phytoplasmic area where you do high reps, and that's more of the bodybuilding bodybuilding sort of um, you know energy pathway um, with the glycolytic pathway and all that sort of stuff. But the h- how would you go about building muscle on the ketogenic diet and you were talking about the myophobic um type sorry yeah um how would you go about um building muscle on the ketogenic diet and not falling victim to all of the high rep um high carb sort of approach that everyone has already already been used to yeah like i i think that look when you look at myofibrillar hypertrophy it is the one that you want anyways because as you as you continue to grow your muscles you'll see that with the sarcoplasmic hypertrophy where you're only focused on that type of hypertrophy what happens is your muscle if you were looking at it on a graph your muscle would start to rise right your strength would also start to rise but your strength would would level off at a certain point while your muscle still grows so you're now building muscle that is pretty much not that functional versus myofibrillar, you would actually have, you know, 
theoretically closer uh, curves, like strength curve would be closer to the amount of muscle you have. So um, how do you do that? Well, you train heavy. Um, you know, you can train heavy, like real heavy, like in the low rep range, or you can also train even like the six to 10 rep range where your first couple of sets, you're really focusing on, you know, getting good form with lighter weight and you're hitting 10 reps. And then now as you're going really heavier, your fifth or your sixth rep is where you're one short of failure, Mm -hmm. um, before your, your form goes out the window. I really, really like that range a lot. And I've had a lot of success, like anywhere from like five to six, five to seven reps um, and focusing on quality muscle contractions. Like, so on every single rep, it's almost like meditation, man. It's like, you're, you're so much more intentional during your training. And there are points in the lift that are super important that are being neglected. So like, we know the concentric is when your muscles shortening and the eccentric is when your muscles lengthening. And one of the things that I've learned from Ben Pukolsky is that, you know, you want to focus on getting the the best contraction where it counts. So like you want to have your, an awesome contraction during the shortened when your muscles shortened on the concentric, which is most people can visualize that, right? Like you, you're squeezing your bicep on a curl and you see that thing peeking out and it's, you know, pumped up. Mm. But then how do you get that contraction where your bicep is all the way lengthened and how can you get that bicep to contract in that position? Mm. That's very, very important. And I've noticed that with my upper chest, development, um, focusing on that. And those are just things that are not even keto. They're not even, but like keto or not, if you do those things, they're going to be awesome. So, you know, make sure that you have a program that see if it's me, I'm going to start my day with, you know, some rowing intervals to get my, you know, blood pumping, get sweating. Then I'll do some power movements to warm up my, my nervous system, get my nervous system buzzing. So like some box jumps or even sometimes on an upper body day, I'll do like a stability thing, like handstand walks. Um, and then I'll do my first main movement, which I'll, I'll prioritize that as the one that I think, you know, it's the most important depending on the day, um, whether like it's a overhead uh, press, a squat variation, a, a pressing variation. And then I'll have like some assistance stuff that some of it may be, in that lower rep range and some of it may be in the higher rep range mm. or what we can do where we train heavier earlier in the week and then we move a little bit faster and we train lighter in the tail end of the week so you're 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 hitting those different training styles and i think that's the best way to do it without having like a coach who's looking at you all the time and saying this is what's going to work for you best you can kind of cover your bases and train in those different ways um and and then you know, how do you feel after those heavier days? How do you feel after those lighter days? What do you think is happening on those days? If, if, if one is giving you more then you can spend more time there. Oh man, all of that was gold. Absolute gold. <laughs> and oh, I really glad, like, man. I'm glad. I, I love the, you know, the, um, reflecting on the, the stuff that you've done as well, because there's so many people who would just go and then not think about it after they've left the gym. Um, but yeah, we, we, we all live our lives like that in general. Mm. I mean, that's what I'm trying to teach my boys. Be mindful of everything, every single thing in your life. 
Everything matters. Mm. Everything, every little detail. Mm. And if it doesn't make it matter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> um, right. oh, man, it's been so great chatting to you. Um, it's like this, this podcast is, is filled with so much awesome information. I cannot thank you enough for, for this entire, uh, it's like an hour and a half now. I don't even care. This is amazing. <laughs> this is so <laughs> well, good. thanks for, thanks for letting me talk your ear off. Cause if you do, I'm just going to talk anybody. Oh man, oh, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it so much. So, so, um, where can people find you? Um, and, and, uh, where can people find the, you know, the programs that are coming up for you as well? Oh, awesome. So right off the bat, Keto Counterculture on Instagram and Facebook, yeah. and then fatfueled.family on the internet, as well as, um, you know, the Fat Fueled Family YouTube. And that's pretty much it. The All of the stuff that I come out with, whether whether it's being released on my site or not, or not, it will be linked to it. So if it's not on one of those pages as the source it will be linked to it mm, okay cool and uh i was listening to the the ketogenic athlete po- podcast the other day and uh brian is brian's your co-host is that right yeah yep, he was like yep. i don't ever get asked to do podcast interviews it's always danny <laughs> it's like, i'm just danny's you know pr guy who <laughs> can i do a podcast with danny? so i'm gonna have to get brian on as well and we're gonna have to talk about it. oh man he would love that he would love that sure. <laughs> all right well thank you so much danny i really really appreciate it and um and i'm sure everyone who's been listening has, has really appreciated this podcast as well uh and i just wanted to thank you for your time and and all the best thank you for having me man it was my pleasure Thank you so much for listening. If you loved this podcast, make sure you hit subscribe to be notified next week when the podcast arrives. If you could do one small act of kindness for today, I would greatly appreciate a review from you. It's really easy and it allows me to keep making podcasts just like this one every week just for you. Head on over to fatforweightloss.com.au forward slash podcasts for the latest updates and all the show notes. Until next week.